if I have an opportunity to be an entrepreneur, let's go, you know? The way to run a business, I obviously like running a tech startup when you're not technical <laughs> is uh, is interesting, right? We raised $7 million in what was it, like two hours or something crazy. Every now and then a revolutionary podcast comes along that changes everything. Welcome to Brick by Brick episode nine with Jennifer Tong, co-founder and CEO of Evolve. Hello and welcome to Brick by Brick. Today I'm joined by Jennifer. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for having me. You're the founder and CEO of Evolve, which is a Miami-based seed stage startup. And you're building like a marketplace for people who are looking to improve themselves through really talented practitioners who can help do that. What is your bio and mission for the company? Mm. Love it. Um, so, so I think, you know, for us, we're, we're essentially like creating a space for people to come, like a community for them to receive the support they need for that growth. Um, we believe that human connection is like the way. Um, it's kind of, you know, taking the steps faster. Like you can learn something from one of our leaders that will, you know, save you a year of suffering uh, otherwise, we're at 75 leaders now. About half of them are in Miami, the other half all over the world. And really, they've come to us or we found them. And it's kind of like the gems of the world. Um, but it's interesting because there is that that level of community where you can have the closeness, which is so important for the connection and the growth. So the big vision um, is to have communities within the community. So a lot of my time is spent on connection calls uh, with community leaders. So people that run their own groups um, and they might be more focused on like end of life or psychedelic integration or, you know, uh, sound healers. And they may have a collective of 10 or so healers. Um, and so this could potentially be a place for them to host their healers. They can create their own profile and kind of run their own business through Evolve. And so then if we do grow beyond that 100 leader mark, we still keep the closeness uh, that's necessary for, you know, real healing to happen. Okay, amazing. So it's a platform. And when you say leaders, you mean people who can teach yoga, breath work, psychedelic integration, a range of... So we have coaches, healers, um, energy workers, sound healers, um, pendulum reading, human design, like all of the things. So I guess the, a good blanket term could be practitioners. Um, okay. Yeah, that, that would work as well. And then when people find a practitioner they like, you can join that community and yeah. do like calls with them. And the community is capped at like 100 people, do you say, to keep it close-knit? We'd like for now for the leaders until we build out this like next level, which would be community leaders. I think the Evolve community, we'd like to keep it at 100 um, because we do already have, I think, 125 different modalities. So most of the modalities are covered by the leaders we have now. So to ensure like, you know, we keep everyone active and engaged, that's that's probably the best way to go as we bring in 
you know, the marketplace is funny. I, I follow so many like marketplace yeah, emails, yeah. podcasts. It's always this like, okay, now we bring in more members. Um, and the way that we, we kind of made a, a slight pivot in December, we started a membership program. Um, we called it the psychedelic mastermind. Soon it'll be called just evolve connect. Um, but that is a series of virtual sessions every month. And that's been nice because we have 60 members that keep coming every month and they see each other and they know who the other members are. So that's really been a nice community. And the way I see it is, you know, this evolve connect is like a prototype for what any community could do. Like, um, you know, you look at one of our leaders just did a wisdom talk and he talked about what is your Z? Like, where do you want to go? And then what are the A's to B's to C's to get you there? And, and so I started thinking about it and then he's like, what's your little Z? Like if the big Z is that evolve is massive and has like a hundred different communities. Well, then the little Z is that we get the one community working. Right. And so that's like how I'm thinking about it. Like how do we create this one community so that 99 others can replicate what we've done and have their own little business running. Um, so that's, that's the thought. I like the way you're thinking about that. That's a cool way to think of things. It's kind of like the YC thing. Like what's your one thing that you're trying to do? Right. Um, so I, when I was researching you, there was something that sort of stood out to me. I can't remember where I read it, but I read it somewhere online and you said, that Evolve is the gift I offer the world. It's a container that leverages my strength of connecting ideas and people for the purpose to support the evolution of human consciousness with a goal to decrease suffering and increase awareness and joy. And from speaking to you briefly, I can see you're like, you've got amazing energy, you're a very bubbly person, and you clearly have a lot of, um, I guess, that empathy for the world, which I think is lovely to see. So what do you think is the biggest problems in society at the moment with regards to suffering? Why are people suffering? Wow. So I think part of it is the lacking of the human connection, like a place to be their authentic selves. Um, that comes up a lot in our conversations you know, through, through virtual Zooms. Like people like coming to our classes because they can take off, as they say, like all the masks, peel off the layers and just show up and be accepted, be honored, be like celebrated for who they are. Um, so I think it's tough to live life if you're not yourself. Um, and so I think that does create a lot of suffering. Um, the other thing is, that's just becoming really clear with me the last month is this idea of not creating space in our lives. Um, you know, I, in my own, you know, startup founder, you work like 80 hours a week sometimes and you got the family and the friends and like all the things is like, how do you have the time? And, and I think over time that can start to create like, you know, this suffering because you don't have space, like for, even for like, opportunity to come in for rest, for all the things that are really essential uh, to take us into like that place of ease um, and out of suffering. So that's, those are a couple things. Yeah, that's, I love that. Um, one of my favorite quotes is, I can't remember who it was by, I think it was like Michelangelo and it's like, everyone 
is starts as like a block of stone and it's the job of the sculptor to uncover what's inside it and relating to us you're born as a, a, a child and then throughout your life you like chip away and you become who you're supposed to become so yes. on your journey to becoming who you are now what are some big chips you've taken out or what are some things you've done like what stands out to you yeah um yeah the cool thing is like I'm happy that I've made progress. I know I'm like halfway there, but it's kind of fun. Um, And what accelerated that process for me was starting with awareness. And it's just, you know, my co-founder, Irina, she was my awareness coach. And she gave me her like fancy business card with the gold letters. And it was like awareness coach. I was like, (laughs) I don't know what that is. You know, I just left Morgan Stanley. I was like, what are you talking about? Um, and and then I was like, yes, I want this. What is this? So it was like becoming aware of our thoughts even. It's like the simplest thing. And for me, it just was life-changing. Um, I also started to um, zone in on what my values were. Um, and then she explained like you look outside to your life like through the house. Like imagine a house with like four windows and your vet, like my values are like connection, freedom, this, that. And I always tended to be indecisive. But then I started looking through the lens of these values when I was making decisions. I'm like, is this person in line with, you know, my value of freedom? Is Does this feel like connection? And it just started to like help create alignment in my life. Um, so those were like mm. two early on things that got me aside from you know, the basic mindfulness, like creating space between a stimulus and a reaction, your reaction to that, like the smallest thing, you know, like, like there's, there was an example. It was so silly. It was like, there's the piece of cake. And like, instead of just going for it, you create a space. Um, And so that, that space I think helps is, is really helpful. So that was, you know, four or five years ago, the things that got me started on the journey. Yeah, that's very cool. I still have a massive problem with not eating cake. I think that's a good <laughs> thing to like, sometimes you just need to take a minute. <laughs> right. Okay. So I'm really interested by the values thing and the house analogy. I find that really interesting. And as someone who's sort of on a journey to make something of my life, I'm, I've become aware of the fact that as we were speaking about before, there's a lot of internal work needs to be done so that you can do the external work. When you say like, what are my four values that I'm going to assess people on? Like, are they aligned with me? To me, that makes me worry because I'm like, I don't know what my four values are. And what if I choose the wrong one? And then I miss a lot of people who were actually aligned to me because I thought they were the other ones. Right. So how did you, how did you choose the four? <laughs> so, the funny thing, like this work is actually work. <laughs> like, like I did a worksheet, you know, like in class and it's kind of like those word puzzles when you're kids, it had, I don't know, a hundred words and I had to circle the ones that resonated with me. So you like circle like okay. 10 or 20 and then you just keep narrowing it down. Um, okay. And you can refine them. Like you change them every, whenever you feel it, like every few months, every year. Okay. Um, it was so very it's an ongoing thing. Mm-hmm. And you're constantly like aligning it and realigning it. 
And so like for business partners, we did the exercise with one of our coaches where my partner and I each chose our values. We went in with our coach and they're like, okay, she has awareness. You have connection. Like those are now part of your business values. Um, and so I think that's kind of cool too. It, it kind of humanizes the company, right? Definitely. I've definitely started to notice more the importance of values for that reason, like in a corporate sense. I used to think like, oh, it's just like corporate nonsense. (laughs) Well, I grew up with my mom saying like, oh, she has no values. And I was like, what it, you know, so it was just like, this is like, what is she talking about? Um, (laughs) But it wasn't until I like dug into the importance of having like core values um, that it just does help. So you grew up in North Virginia with your yeah. mom and dad? Yes. What does your mom do? Or what, she what was, was a her, teacher. Like... Okay. She was a teacher what her you... whole life. What was special about your mom? Because um... you seem to <laughs> you know, mention funny. a lot of stuff about things she's like said and taught yeah, you and stuff. Yeah, she's pretty awesome. She, <laughs> um, we just did it. A, a, dinner with one of our coaches who was in town from Miami and he asked us around the table what was our superpower she was funny she was like people like me (laughs) (laughs) so that was kind of cute um yeah yeah, she's very likable she helps people you know I learned a lot from her um and I think uh you know my dad was working in satellites his whole life and he was like a very hard worker and then he was in his 50s and got laid off. And then he started his own business. He was kind of like, you know, screw this. Like, I'm, I'm out. And so it was cool to see his transformation, um, you know, at a later age. And I think it's kind of stuck with me, you know, like, okay, if I have an opportunity to be an entrepreneur, let's go, you know. Love that. So what was your journey then, your personal journey from back when you're like, 15, 16, all the way to now. Wow. Um, Yeah, so went to school in Northern Virginia, kind of near D.C. Um, Spent, went to a university in James Madison. It wasn't for me. It was like kind of in the country. And I realized I was a city girl. So I- uh, Wait, did you grow up in the city or did you grow up in the country? I grew up in like the suburbs, but 20 minutes from the city. Right. Um, Okay. So this country college town, there was not much going on. Um, (laughs) And it was like one of those things you go to the campus interview, you know, the orientation. It was beautiful, like the catalog, you know, catalog picture style. And then I got there. I was like, oh, my God, there's nothing going on here. So I spent two years in that university, but in the meantime, I was working at Payne Weber in DC on, in the summers. Um, like that's an investment kind of, bank, right? Yeah, it well, yeah. it was bought out, so now it's UBS. Oh, okay. So it was like a financial brokerage firm. I'd been working there since I was eighteen. My uncle got me in. He used to run um, Payne Weber New York, and and so. Like one summer, they were like, do you want to stay? You know, they offered me a real job. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to go back to that school. <laughs> and I also, I think it was like $24,000 salary. This was like 1997. And I was like, That's yes. not bad. 
<laughs> it was so much money. So I like got my own apartment. I was like chilling. And um, and that was, you know, I was very good at what I did there. What I didn't know because I was too young is that could have been in any industry. Like I was just management essentially or assistant to the management. Um, okay. And so I, yeah, so I quit school. I stayed for two years, I think. And then all of my friends were graduating university. And then I was like, okay, like I got to go back. So I, I went back to school locally near D.C., graduated. Most of my spring breaks uh, were in Miami, and they were cool. very fun. <laughs> and so, so I, you weren't, you weren't, you never like had family in Miami. You just said, yeah, like to I, party. <laughs> yeah, it was just a lot of fun. The is Miami thing, like Miami is a party place in America, right? Miami or is one of yeah. them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it's just this. I grew up like. I grew up in California, so I, I think also like my body temperature and like I like being in the sunshine. It just does mm. better for me. So like a month after I graduated, I I packed up my little Nissan Sentra with my futon mattress and just drove down. <laughs> and I uh, I wanted to work. There was this restaurant here called News Cafe, which is like was legendary. It's closed since. Um, and I, I got a job there. I was going to be a server. And then I wanted to like do beach umbrellas. I was, I had it all planned out, but <laughs> then my resume ended up at Lloyd's TSB bank, uh, downtown Miami. I had a four hour interview, got a really great job. I couldn't say no to. Um, and so I ended up working there for six years, uh, which was pretty amazing. Um, I was, I was, on the management team, I was invited to go to London actually for this training program to be, you know, like on the path of management. I turned it down yeah. because there were there was a woman in the room. It was me and her, the only women in the room. And I was just like, no, I don't like she was older, probably my age now and had kind of passed up the kids and the family and everything for her career. And it just it didn't interest me. So I said, no. Yeah. Um, and at the time I was dating a, a British guy, um, who had a platform called racing traders, which was an API into Betfair. And he was like, quit your job. Let's like, let's jump in and put all of our, you know, chips into this startup. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> um, so I did that. Uh, and then we, we ran that business for five years. And during that five years, we got married and had two babies, um, moved to Malta just because like the company couldn't be run from the U S um, for, you know, because it was related to gambling in the UK. And, and then from there um, came back to Miami after a year. And, and then I, we sold that business for not very much like 150,000. And I remember watching. Her bet bet. Out. Yeah. No, to, mm. to a friend of ours who wanted to take okay. it over and run it. It's yeah. like, we learned a lot then about tech. Like it was our first tech startup and like it started breaking and it's like you, we like put band-aids on it. You know, we spent all of our money on this new build and we probably built it in the wrong language and it just broke. And we were up at night with two babies and it, our third baby, the business was like crashing and we were like, we can't deal. So mm. we sold it. And then as that, as those funds like slowly just like started dissipating, I was like, is anyone going to go work 
make some money. <laughs> like, who's going to do that? Um, and so then it was me. So we were in kind of a like a strange position, you know, where we had one car. So I had to, I worked in a law firm doing biz dev for them. And I ended up doing pretty well there. Um, so that was just like, that was a journey. That was a journey. That's amazing. So tell me more about going to Malta and like committing to that company. Were you scared? Was it a big risk at the time? Did it, did you see like evidence of why it would work or did you just go for it? Well, the cool thing is we had that business running so well. Um, at the time, I think it was the only API. Um, so basically what it did, it was focused on the horse, uh, racing but more like trading than betting so that instead okay. of people needing to like hit the mouse seven times they would um they would just be able to do two clicks to do a trade and so we were the first out and then by the time i think we moved to malta there were a couple of competitors um and i was a little bit apprehensive but also my my husband at the time was going crazy um just like being in the States with the two kids and like, it was just like he needed to be closer to England, even on the time zone yeah. and one of his team members. Um, so it was very challenging. Uh, I had a three month old and a 20 month old, I think. And like all the ladies in Malta, I would, I would push the stroller like up this hill and like a double, you know, American kind of looking stroller and they just looked at me like I was the craziest thing like on the planet. <laughs> Definitely didn't fit in there. And I was working, you know, I, I essentially managed all the clients, all the customers. We hit like 500000 a year in revenue, which was amazing. But we still kind of ran it ourselves. We might have had one or two other team members. So it was a lot of work, you know. Um, but it was worth it because, you know, we had five years that we were home like with newborns. So I it was happy that I wasn't in work, you know? So were you taking home decent money together from that 500K? Yeah. Oh, like it was wild. I, I, <laughs> I still think back on it because we would, we had all these subscriptions. You could use the software for like certain number of minutes or like a monthly or an annual. So like anytime we were like, oh, we need cash. Like we would just sell the annual subscription because people loved it. We would do like half off, <laughs> like, and this oh, was no 2000, way. my daughter was born, so maybe 2008. Um, so it just, it was so cool to us. You know, it was kind of new um, at the time. So yeah, it was definitely, we were doing great. So we lived in like the nicest place in this town called Maliha, Malta. Like we oversaw the ocean and we had, there were caves there and we had a hot tub on our, I mean, we were like living it up like Miami Whoa. style, but in Malta. So it wasn't, it wasn't too tough, you know? That sounds unreal. How old were you then? Um, I must have been 30. Yeah. Okay. I'm 45 now. No way. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. So then after that, you started doing like, this is where it gets complicated. Cause I feel like you've got like a hundred jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Ollie. Yeah. So, so after that, yeah. So that was when we moved back to Miami, like moved into the foreclosing house because I'd bought two homes. 
And it was like, okay, we're out of money. What do we do? So I figured out a way to do this like deed in lieu of foreclosure. You know, at the time, you know, this was like 2008 when everything was crashing and I got stuck with two homes that were both like worth nothing. Um, And thankfully I got us out of it, like through talking to a ton of people. Um, And, but it was kind of like, you know, it was kind of nice because we lived in this house for paying nothing for a while. Um, as, as Adam was starting on a new startup and I went back to work for a law firm. So he actually got the, this other one off the ground, um, which was a real estate leads gen kind of thing. Um, so he got his real estate license, got his broker license and started sending leads to realtors, like would create a page for them and send them business. And as I'm saying that, I'm like, Ooh, we could do that for our leaders or wellness leaders. Mm. Um, but it, it was going great, but he didn't like it. It like wasn't aligned with him. He was like, I don't even like real estate. What am I doing? So he kind of stopped. Um, I was at the law firm for a while, but then got pulled into Morgan Stanley. Um, so I, I took all of my licenses. I did this like training program that they have where you're, you sit in the room, you know, it was me and like, I don't know, 15 guys. And we all studied for our exams and I got the seven, the 66, the nine, the 10. I got all of the things. Um, I did my best to raise. I think we had to raise 10 million, bring in $10 million in like six months. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it. Um, and so I, uh, I actually got pulled into a, a hedge fund, um, actually a Mexican, Mexican-American hedge fund run out of uh, Florida so kind of international. And I, I was there for a couple of years. I helped them open up an RIA. Like, you know all this because you're in like the finance banking space. Um, and so I, we opened an RIA, opened another real estate brokerage for that same uh, family, the same group. And yeah, so I've always been like opening things for p- other people. I think that's like, I've always been the second, right? Like the mm-hmm. like the right hand or the support or the number two. Um, and so I worked with that, that family for, I don't know, three, four years. And then uh, got pulled back to Morgan Stanley because I had all those licenses. Um, they needed a manager to come in uh, at the Miami Beach office. And I was like, oh, like that's cool because I lived in South Beach. Um, so I ended up back in Morgan Stanley was there for four years, I think. Um, and that's when my, my ex-husband came to me with like, okay, what's, what's this Bitcoin? Like, can you please like dig into this? Why are you at Morgan Stanley? We need to be in this world. Um, and I, I started listening. I thought it was really fascinating, but I was also making a lot of money. And so I was like, well, it sounds great, but you have no money. Like I was essentially like helping him supporting the kids. Um, but then uh, he he got a seed investor um, and that investor uh, offered me a role to come in to help him with this crypto fund. So in a way I was like, okay, this is almost what I'm making at Morgan. I'll need another client. And the other client became a meditation studio. And so that was okay. sort of how I how I got into where I am now. That's so it sounds like 
there's a massive tug of war going on with, in Miami with Ben in the middle. Everyone's <laughs> just trying to get you to work for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I think I was during that time, I ended up with seven clients. So like when you read that quote from me, I can like go in a room and like one of my clients was a taqueria, like this big, comp- this big, there's a Calle Ocho, there's a restaurant group and I love them. And I was like, I want to help you like expand the, you know, Cuban food and taco business. So like I can bring, you know, kind of that element to any industry. But then when I had the seven clients, it was like I had a law firm, I had Daycation, one of my best friends, it's another startup. Um, like hotel day passes. I had uh, the crypto fun. I had the meditation and a couple of others. But what happened was like energetically, like one of my coaches says, like work through inspired action. My inspired action was all going to the meditation studio, like to the point where it was really hard for me to energetically work on anything else. And I, there came a point after I think three years in crypto, I was one of the only females here in Miami, um, along with a friend of mine. She and I were kind of like the ones at all the conferences, at all the events, running community. I had like crypto cocktail events. But then I was like, my, you know, I, I was at a conference once and there was this guy who pretended he was a doctor who wasn't. And he was like scamming, like there were like four people that had invested in his mining company, like 50 grand each, and they'd all lost it. And I was like, how is this guy allowed to be here? Like, this is not okay. And I'm a Scorpio. So like, I'm super sweet until I'm not. And uh, (laughs) I was like, get away from my booth and get out of this conference, you know? Um, And I was like, I don't really want to have, like, I don't need this in my life. Like this space is like wild west. Um, and so I, when we launched this token, I saw it because we raised $7 million in, what was it? Like set, like two hours or something crazy. And it was like so fast, 2,400 people. And I'd been working in finance and I was like trade plus two, like it's supposed to take like two days for people to buy into a, you know, to a company. And here it was, I think it was even shorter than that. I don't right, remember right. because we were like, I hadn't slept for two days. I was on Telegram, like managing the community all night. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. Start that story from the start. So you started a... <laughs> <laughs> well, this was my my ex-husband's token um, okay. that he launched. And my, um, my seed investor was just, you know, an investor in the project. So we were kind of just like helping to guide a little bit. Um, But I did, I was there for the launch. I was present. I was like checking Telegram, seeing what's happening. And you don't sleep because like- Was this in 2017? 2017, yeah. It was like the first bull run, not this one. Yeah, exactly. And I had, I think I had quit Morgan Stanley January 1st or something. And this was like January 17th. So I was just like- boom, like here I am in this new world. Um, and, and I remember I was like, you need to have, I, I found out all the things really fast. You needed to have the smart contract audited. So I found an auditor guy, like a developer who could check. And like, 
you know, the funds could, could have been sent anywhere. Like, you know, the, if you just have one developer and you don't know what you're doing, like everything can go, all that $7 million could have ended up in, you know, whichever country. Oh yeah. Um, so it was pretty intense. And my, you know, coming from a compliance background, I was like, this isn't my kind of project. Like I'm like <laughs> watching it unfold and just like, what? Um, but it's uh, it's also, you know, when you ask about my long-term vision, wellness in Web3 is uh, like my five, 10-year plan to not necessarily have a token, but, you know, DAOs are really becoming like mm. a way to build community. You can, you can gate it with an NFT and all of the things. Um, and so I, I think I still stay connected in the space. Um, one of my good friends is he has a psychedelic <laughs> NFT and we like partner on stuff. Um, so I think it's funny how the path, you know, like my path is all kind of leading down into this, you know, this future idea. And a lot of it comes to values. Like if you think of the web three space, most of the people in that space, their top value is freedom, right? They they want financial freedom. Um, they're figuring out all the ways to take care of themselves and their family without being dependent on, you know, the nine to five or the banks and stuff. And it's the same in the conscious community. But what's lacking in the conscious community is that financial knowledge. Like a lot of our leaders really aren't doing well financially and they're like, we, when we were thinking to launch a token, we interviewed uh, 48 of our leaders. And I think 46 were like, we would do work in exchange for tokens. Like they are super all about it. So I think that's like a, a very interesting, um, you know, thought. It's not now because, yeah, you know, from a legal standpoint, it doesn't make sense. But I think DAOs are becoming maybe in a couple of years. It's a time to revisit it. I think that's a good idea because also now that AI is becoming like in five years, I can't see it not being able to make any video, any, I can't see that not being a thing. So if you have a web three community, you could verify that it's like humans instead of like AI things, which adds a bit of like reality to the situation. Oh my gosh, I love that you just brought that up. <laughs> yeah, I was actually approached by this company that wanted our help and they're creating like AI sexual therapists. Like, you know, like we oh have sex and relationship coaches like humans, but they're creating them like avatar wise. And I'm like, yeah, okay. But I was like, who's going to tell those guys what to say? <laughs> like, Ooh. You know, it's kind of wild. So I would love, I didn't think about that, the verifying that they're humans. Uh-huh. Yeah, that'd be cool. Do you think you can have an AI sex coach? Well, they're doing it. I think they've already gotten like prototype, like it's happening. That's a scary thought. <laughs> it's very scary. <laughs> I got off that call and I was like, I am not ready for the world to like, Yeah, yeah. You know, it's I guess. because it's that human connection. It's taking that away, right? Mm. Unless they're really like led by humans, but I don't know. It's Maybe it could be like the first step in a journey. 
So like you log on and you just get the high level advice from the AI and then you have to go on and meet people and exactly. Maybe, I don't know. Exactly. Yeah, we you know they say what you resist persists. So like I'm open. <laughs> I'm open because <laughs> we're it's happening, you know. I'm really interested by the fact that through the, the running theme through all of the things that you've done so far seems to be that you just know how to even if you don't know how to do something, you know how to get that thing done. Mm. Does that make sense? Would you agree mm. with that? You seem very like resourceful. Aww, thank you. Do you think yeah. that's something you've like always had or is it something you've developed over time? Do you agree that's one of your strengths? Yeah, I think I think my biggest strength is that connecting of like ideas and people and so I always have someone that I can ask and I ask. Um, so I'm, it's funny. I'm, I'm hesitant to ask for money, but I'll ask like for advice and like just, you know, help me make this decision all day long. So yeah, I read, um, you know, the book Think and Grow Rich. One of my coaches has me read it all the time for that mastermind, you know, the way to run a business, I obviously like running a tech startup when you're not technical <laughs> is uh, is interesting, right? So you have to work in a mastermind capacity. Like there's no way. Um, and I think that I've gotten pretty good at that. Like we have a core group of us that like the mind, it's like a collective mind um, that's running the project. So yeah, that that's something big for us. Okay, so you're saying potentially it's 2023, you don't need to be technical to start a tech business. So I think this is a, I'm excited to be speaking to you because you've had already like a whole load of like experience in your life. And now you're, you've just gone through the first like three years of starting this company. So you're exactly the sort of person I'd like to talk to Mm because I want to lay out a blueprint for people like this is these are the building blocks, so to speak, of how you build a thing that you want to make. And I want to make people feel like that it's not as opaque as it may seem. There is a, there's a method to the madness. So talk me through your journey to starting Evolve from mm. like spark of an idea to where it is today. Yes. Oh, this is huge. <laughs> I, I, I do these like one-on-one calls with people who have an idea. So like your community is welcome to reach out. I'm happy to help because it, it it was an interesting learning curve to start. So I think the first piece of advice is like, it's going to sound weird because it's not about the technical part. It's like if you're the kind of person that like helps people, then surround yourself by people that help people. Um, and be aware of people adding to your life and subtracting to your life. Because right before I started Evolve, I, I was coached into that. Um, and so then when I did have the idea, I mean, it was kind of silly because I was at the meditation studio and I was like, I want to build an app. <laughs> you know, I'd been working on Daycation, which is a, it's a iOS app, but also a web version. And it's a marketplace. And so I knew all about it because I'd been like helping and I'd be like, guys, there's like a bug. Like I can't book my holiday, you know, like help me out here. And so I started working a little bit with their development team to understand it. And I was like, this is fun. 
And so then, you know, when this meditation studio I was working with was closing, I was like, I want to build an app. Like there's this amazing like community that we have going on. I'm trying to teach myself how to meditate and like, I don't like, I get distracted. Right. And I need a timer. This was, this was how Evolve started. I wanted a meditation timer. And so I wrote down the one pager, like I was all excited and it was during the pandemic and Matt, the founder of of Daycation, his developers weren't busy because all the hotels were closed. And he was like, well, and at the time I had some Ethereum handy, like I was doing all right. So he was like, well, I've got some developers if you want to build an app. And I was like, yes, let's, let's do it. And I was so excited for the timer. And then I called one of my advisors, my friend John, and I was like, yeah, we're going to build this app. It's a timer. And he was like, that's like kind of garbage. He's like, call me back <laughs> in 24 hours with a better idea. Um, and so I started, he's a John Lyons. He's uh, a friend that has been supporting me like all along as I was leaving Morgan Stanley. He's the one that coached me into getting a couple of clients to match the income. Okay. He what has does he a, do? he... yeah, he just sold his company salute, which is my, it was modern, like weaponry, government contracting work. Out of oh San God. Diego, he sold it for like close to 100 mil. Um, no way. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'll listen to you. <laughs> listen yeah. To you. <laughs> so so he he's kind of tough. You know, he's a military guy. And he was he was not nice with me. He was like, call me back in 24 hours. He's like, I got to go. Call me back tomorrow. And so How I sat in bed and I was like, oh. I was like depressed. I was like, my app dream is like, you know, it's already squashed before it started. You know, I was ready to put the money in for it. And, but then I was like, oh my gosh, vacations a marketplace with hotels and people booking hotels. You know, it's like $50. You can use the pool, the spa. And I was like, our leaders can be like the hotels and then the people are the people. And it's like the same thing because you have a profile page for the hotel. So we'll create profiles for leaders and boom. It's like, a, it's a business. And so I called him back the next day and he was like, all right, that could work. And so I was like, yes. And so then I, I changed the whole one pager. I left the meditation timer in. Um, and, and then I submitted it to the guys and they were like, yeah, we can do this. They were like, I think it was like 16 grand or something, 20 grand. And then I was coaching at the time with Irina, my awareness coach. I was on a three month journey with her. And during one of our coaching sessions, I was like, I'm going to do the app. I was like, I just got a quote. And she's like, let's do it. And so she just was like, she wanted to be part of it. And I was like, okay, because I just learned about mindfulness like a year ago. Like I've been doing yoga 20 years, but I never meditated really. And so I was like, this makes sense. Like she knows all the things. She lived in India. Like she, you know, <laughs> so it just kind of happened. So we showed up, we, we got our, whatever it was, 10, 20 grand together, built the iOS like MVP, got it working, got like 10 or 20 leaders on board. Um, and then the guys ended up, so, it, and in that process, I learned like what a sprint was like, you know, for your, yeah, for yeah. your guys, like, okay, we have to create the designs first, right? Like in Figma or whatever. And then 
that's what I tell everyone to do. Like, it's great to have the idea, but you need the frames. Like, that's where you need to start. So just like either decide if you're going to do web version first or iOS. Like everyone has a different opinion on that, depending on what the business is. But then build out the frames in Figma. And that's not that expensive. And I think it's a great, you know, a few thousand dollars, you can get a good designer to build out your frames. And then that's how you can like prove out your idea. And you can even make that like a working prototype, you know, where you click on the buttons and then it like takes it, it looks like it works. Um, And so we did all of that. And then we started building, got the leaders on. um, And then the guys were like, the hotels are open again. Here's your MVP. We got to go. And I was like, ah. So they did a really nice handover to a new team in the Ukraine. We'd raised some money. So thankfully we could pay. Um, and we, we had this team in the Ukraine maybe for like a year or so. And they got the, they built in more functionality to the iOS version. Then, um, my ex-husband was like, oh my God, I have this incredible team in the Ukraine. They're better than your guys. Like, come on, just go for it. And so we did this other handover. So like We've now worked with three teams and now we have an independent person in-house. That was a journey. Um, We had a, thankfully, a tech advisor, um, Andre. So he helped guide us the entire time. So it wasn't like it went from one to the other and we didn't have the consistency. Like he would log in and keep the stack running and everything. Um, And so then with the, you know, with the final team, that was when, it was kind of, it was last summer. I remember I was in Costa Rica and I was like, oh my God, we were paying between like five grand and 10 grand a month. One, I think it hit 13 at the high because we were building out the web version. We created an admin panel. So we, we built in React Native for the iOS um, and then React for the web version. And so like getting the two to connect and then, you know, have the admin panel was like kind of a big deal. Like we have a mm. pretty pretty good tech stack and it was all done really well. Um, but then to keep it running, that's the wild part. Like <laughs> you've got to keep feeding the beast and it got to a why point. Is, why is that? <sighs> is it like there's upgrades in each of them and then you need to yeah. keep. Well, you can like now we're running it for like a less than a thousand dollars, which is just like the basic stack, like paying for the database and, you know, mm. we use SendGrid to send auto emails and then we use um, Hasura. Like you just have to have a certain amount, you know, the Google cloud, you have to pay for the server and everything. Mm. So I'd say you need at least a thousand bucks. I mean, if you do it on the cheap, maybe 500 just to keep the stack running. But like things always happen with the app. Like if you don't touch it, I still like we didn't touch the iOS for almost a year. We didn't develop it. And like things still happen. So I was like, how is that possible if you're not even <laughs> recoding? So you you need a developer on, on standby. And most developers are going to charge just to be present and keep things running. Meaning if there's an emergency mm-hmm. and for them to like, you know, save the code and grab it from GitHub and like do all the things, they're going to charge at least a thousand just for maintenance, right? And then if you want to do any work, you're you're paying more. So whether you pay, you know, the lowest I think we paid a rate was like $20 an hour offshore. Um, and the highest I think was 40. But if you're, you know, it's it's interesting running the projects and the sprints 
when you aren't a technical co-founder, this is why you need at least like my suggestion to people have a technical advisor where you throw them, you know, a few percent of equity to run the project. I mean, ideally you have a CTO who's in for equity. Um, I just, I was, I, I'm still like, we found Christian and he's amazing and he's there. And I think he's down to, to play that role, but that is so key. Like, so key. Like now Christian knows, like if, if a client can't do something, he'll be there and he'll fix it. Like you kind of want someone who cares about the project um, and isn't just doing like an hourly rate, you know, because it's, uh, it's tough. It's okay if that's like a big part of your development, as long as there's one person mm. who can dig in and fix things. Cause then you as the founder, you're going to be like, like, this has been me many a time. It's like a weekend and they're not working and something's like broken. Like, what do you do? Right. Mm. Um, so I, I almost signed up for coding class many times, <laughs> like many times, um, because you you kind of feel like your hands are are tied. Yeah, that is a great breakdown and the best answer to that question I've had because you've just laid out like the technologies, where the teams are. That's amazing. Thanks for being so transparent. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm happy to speak with anyone. I think it's helpful to even just like do a screen share of like, okay, like we've used Jira for project management. Now we've simplified it and gone to Trello. Like a big part of it is that PM work. And that's something mm. that as a, as a non-technical founder, you can do very well and you can start to understand how the developers think. And like they explained to me the way you write it on the ticket is like, you can say like how it's working now, how you want it to work. And it, the more specific you are, like the easier time it's going to be. Because if they develop it and it's wrong because you didn't give enough detail. So I think for non-technical founders, they can still be very involved in the development process. Um, mm. Like now, Christian and I, sometimes we do two-hour sessions where I'm staring at the code with him. And he, like, I kind of get it. Like I I see how it's set up in Expo and and last Friday, I actually found like a bug. I was like, wait, oh. why does it say that there? Um, so I would suggest like kind of doing that with your developers. So you know the code base enough where you understand how it's all set up. Because then when they say to you like, okay, it's in development. Now it's pushed to production. I got to use Expo. Like, like get it. Because otherwise, you know, you can, when you're working with, with teams, sometimes like I remember once the guys were like, oh, it's going to be really hard to like shift all that around. Christian and I did it in like five minutes. And I was like, oh, really? So hard. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's that good. kind of the, the trade off between having an external team and then having yeah. an internal. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Christian and I worked for two hours last Friday. We got five tickets done. Like mm. that sometimes took our our teams one week to do billing us for like 20 or 40 hours so yeah. it's um it's kind of interesting i mean it makes That's you feel like not the smartest looking back <laughs> you know but now i know right did you know that calendly used an external team for like i, I think they might still use an external team i mean i'm sure they put internal now but to grow that which is not like it's a billion dollar company that's with amazing. a team in Ukraine. Yeah. yeah. And and so. I think what happens is you become allies with the team. 
like we did become very close with our teams and it did feel like, you know, kind of togetherness. So I think if mm. you find the right team and the right fit, that can happen. I didn't know I that. Suppose- Calendly is like, oh, yeah. I love Calendly. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I just can't believe no one else has ever thought of that. It seems like an obvious thing to have, but they've just made it work. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So when you approached Christian, how did you get him on board? Like you, you've done BD for your whole career. You know how to talk to people. You know how to connect. So like, tell us the secrets. What's the magic sauce? <laughs> yeah. So... In Costa Rica, when I paid that final developer bill, I was like, okay, like we have no developer. (laughs) And so, you know, it's like what we were talking about earlier. Like when you got to do something, you do it, right? So I went on Y Combinator. I went on AngelList, which I think now is called WellFound. I went on LinkedIn. I scraped like all of these platforms to find developers that coded in React and React Native. Um, I think I looked at like over 200 profiles and resumes. Um, I must've had 10 to 20 conversations. Um, and Christian just stuck. Like we talked about it a lot to me at that point, what was really important was that someone, and it was like silly, but it's like that they're like good people and they understand the mission and the vision and they want to help other people. That was key. Mm. Um, And then the other part was obviously the tech knowledge. And he is very, he's in Bogota. He's like a senior developer, uh, freelance, and he's been running projects for a very long time. So he spoke with Andre, our tech advisor, after I kind of had the initial call or two. And Andre was like, yeah, like he knows his stuff. Like this is amazing. Um, And and so, you know, Christian and I actually, the way we started, that was when I was trying to learn to code. And I was like, I would love help with this project. And I think I was paying him his hourly rate for like a month or so to see how like he liked the project and how we liked working together. And then I was like, can you at the same time teach me how to code? So he okay. gave me some like books and, you know, online stuff to learn and do. And then I was like, this is not happening. Like maybe if it was the only thing I did, but I just, so then that was when I offered, you know, how do you feel about coming in, um, you know, to the team? And he's like, yeah. And so we wrote up like an informal kind of LOI with future equity, like assuming the project like, you know, carries on and takes off and that sort of thing. And what I also loved about him was like, he was okay with the idea of let's just work to get the traction. That's like, what do we need to do? What are the KPIs? Let's build for that. So he doesn't let me chase after shiny objects, which is something that I've traditionally done. Um, He's like, what do we need so you can sell? What do we need so you can bring more leaders, more members? What's blocking, you know, that from happening? And so that is also like amazing because then it's a partner. It's not just a developer, um, you know, someone there that's like getting the big picture. Yeah, that is sounds like a lovely relationship with him. Yeah, lucky, so, so lucky. Yeah, does he get paid as well now, or is it purely equity? Like, what's the right what's now? The it's just the equity agreement. Okay, um, it's funny because that project I told you about in the beginning, 
the building the community pages. I would like to, I'm starting to talk with him about how do we help you find a small team, pay you and the team like per page kind of thing. Because I think, I mean, I could either pay for them myself or if someone wants a page, they pay a few hundred bucks, like, because we have the tech there. And it's interesting, you know, like if you create in the app, a profile for yourself as a new leader, like if, if you were a meditation teacher, Ali, you could create your profile in like 10 minutes, right? And then it shows up in the web, it shows up in the iOS. But if you clicked a little button, like which communities are you a part of, you would show up on these pages, right? So like if I am the, you know, mindfulness meditation center in Miami and you're one of my leaders, I don't have to manage a page. I don't have to say, Ollie, send me your bio, send me your photo, send me all the things. It's just there. Um, mm. And I think that that is like what I'd like to put money towards because like sometimes I think some of my leaders say like I'm like a seer. Like they always try to figure out like what your gift is. And I've always been kind of forward thinking like, you know, crypto and psychedelics and like this. And and this is what I see. Um, and so that's kind of like where, like from this this money that I'm bringing in through clients, um, that's where I'd like to put it. Okay. I think I'm quite similar to you in the sense of like seeing things in the future. Do you find that it's hard to do the things that you need to do today? Because <laughs> yeah. you're like, imagine this. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Oh, how, and, what do you do about that? I know. <laughs> Well, that's not always a struggle. I think it's, it's surrounding yourself by the people like that help you stay focused. Right. Um, and it's that A to B to Z. Like I, I keep repeating certain things to myself and to other people because I need to hear them. (laughs) Um, and so it's like, okay, A to B to Z. Um, and so that's really what, what's helpful. But I, I've been talking to people about the vision, right? And I I don't share it enough. And I think it's good that we see and we have the vision because that's what people are like jumping in for. They're not jumping in because we have up a web page and we've got 50 members, right? They're mm. jumping in for that that scaled out version. Um, and if they think that all it is is one website with 100 people, it's not that interesting, right? Um so I think it's like having that mix and the way I keep myself on task is like using all the tools, you know, like the Trello's and the this and the that. And mm. um, I recently learned through my client work with Homecoming, um, you know, the OKRs, of objectives and key results. So I like trying to go down the smart startup path a little bit too. Like, you know, what what is the objective? What are we doing? And and all of that. So I think there's something in in putting time into that work too. What's your goal then for Evolve by the end of the year, say? It's to get this new Connect page up. So we have the $10 okay. month membership, but we're launching a $100 a month membership. Um, what about in terms of number of members? Sorry to interrupt, but or like users yeah. on the platform. I yeah. want to get you to say a concrete number. Oh my gosh, recorded. <laughs> so I'd like to have 100 people paying the $10 a month. And that's very year. doable. Mm-hmm. Why not 10,000? I know, right? 
We need to do more podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> Too many people are telling right? you to go to B. I'm going to be the, your, Z, your Z man. <laughs> Let's do podcasts everywhere. No, I no mean, but seriously, what, what, what would prevent you getting 10,000 this year? I think myself. As a thought exercise. It's myself. How, you, how would you prevent yourself? I mean, how would yourself prevent you? In what ways? It's um, it's it's like these beliefs, like a lot of the work as a founder is like, why, like, why, when you say that, does that give me panic? Like that shouldn't give me panic. Do you know what I mean? So there's like this self-worth, like in thinking like, yeah, we can do that. I can do that. We have people, we have a team, we've built something amazing. Um, and I think that's like what I'm working on. So a lot of my, you know, my thought for this summer is to get past a lot of that. Um, you know, reading all the, it's funny because I, I have like the business side and then the, you know, spiritual conscious like self-work side. And, and I think that there, when there's like old stuff, I've learned about this through, through Mike Duffy, one of our leaders is like this achievement, right? We're just like achieving, achieving, achieving. But he ran a survey, like a wisdom diagnostic of 53 people. And most of them had like old trauma that they hadn't worked through. So they're kind of on this, like, sometimes I think I'm on like a hamster wheel. Like to get to the 10,000, you have to have the space, right? Not just running on the hamster wheel to have the great idea that's going to push you through, right? Mm. So you're going to get like yeah. thousand downloads one day, like that's what's got to happen. But if you're constantly just running because you can't create that space and serenity, I think it's difficult to happen. That's when you're just getting like a few people each time and there's no like grand idea that's going to take you there because you haven't created space for those ideas to show up. Um, and so that's really like I where, how I think we can get there is through partnerships like actually Seidel just tweeted us out. He we gave him a promo code for the for the month of June for his members. I think like that's the way is like start to create these partnerships and allow them to invite their people in um so that the thinking bigger can happen. Uh cuz I think when it I feel like it's all on me is like that's not the way. That's like 5 or 10 new members a month, you know. How many more members could you take on before you have to start? I guess there's a point where it starts breaking because there's too many. So like you have to like have new members, build a bigger team, new members, build a bigger team. Is that how it works? Like onwards? Well, the cool thing about the membership, it the offering is Zoom. So we could have as many members as we like dial into those sessions. Um, okay. You know, some of them are capped because they're like conversational, like circles where you talk. Um, but you know, we wouldn't need to do a whole lot, which is great. And the infrastructure cool. is there. Mm -hmm. You should sell to, um, you should do partnerships with, um, imagine if you could get like Morgan Stanley or like Goldman Sachs and big companies, there must be a huge market for that, like enterprise, um, no. subscriptions. I'd have to hide the psychedelic circle. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I think for that's why I also want to rename it to Evolve Connect um, because I would like to appeal to like the corporate market 
totally with you on that. And it's like super affordable. I mean, everyone says we should jump the price, but you know, I think for now it's good. Maybe when we change the name, we can, but I, yeah, I like you know, that. When have you heard of Kong? Yeah. They one I can't remember the story. I might be butchering it, but the founder raised the doubled the price. They were running out of money. And he just one day just doubled the price because that was the only way to cover the costs. And instead of the number of people signing up going down, it actually went up because wow. people perceived the value of the platform went way up because it was expensive. So people saw it as investment in themselves instead of like a little nice meditation app. So maybe there is value in, in having high prices. Like sometimes pricing can be like a, signal that something's valuable if you know what i mean yes oh my gosh i didn't know <laughs> that about come actually during yeah, one cool. of my accelerators we had a call with michael acton smith but i didn't catch that thank you for sharing who's, who's that is that the founder he, he's what yeah i think it was, like there were two founders right i think he was oh, okay one of yeah. oh that's really cool that's really yeah. cool yeah okay i'm gonna do it once yeah. we launch an act i think we'll do it all your subscribers are going to hate me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let them grandfather in. Maybe just yeah. a new one. No, yeah. thanks, Holly. Wow, yeah. you like really like keep tabs on what's happening in the... Yeah, I honestly love it. I really love learning about all these little things. It's super yeah. interesting. Amazing. That's why it's fascinating talking, talking to you. Hmm, so good. Do you... Do you think you are the first woman I've had on the podcast? And that's not through my lack of trying. It's just how it's turned out. Um, so tell me, do you think there's, you, you mentioned several stories where like you are one of two women in the room and you've worked in like the financial services industry a lot. So what are the nuances that people maybe don't understand about what it's like to be a woman in those scenarios? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I, I'm going to, a, as I start to like put my mind into growth and raising again, I signed up for a pitch contest and I was thinking like, who can I forward this to like females? And I was like, I have two friends in Miami who are startup founders. Um, the rest are guys, right? So, so it's interesting. Um, I yeah, think- why is that? I think it's a little bit like, you know, the way I describe like crypto and finance, it's tough. Like I, I was I was talking with one of my friends, Eli. He's a he's a startup founder. And I was like, Eli, I keep getting like smacked. And you know, it's like, oh, like I can't believe like another thing. He's like, that's what it is. He's like, you're gonna it's like a boxing ring and you're gonna keep getting punched and you just keep getting up. And I was like, okay. But like, I, I think because I was in those industries, I have the fight in me. Like, I remember I passed the 66 and like half the guys failed. And I was like, yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm watching this TV show with my kids SWAT and there's like two women and they're like, when you're a woman, you just kind of have to like work a little harder because somehow that's, it's kind of how it is, right? You're, and and then I just came to this revelation actually through a session. Um, there's this work that our leaders do called family constellation work, which is kind of interesting. 
you you like create a scenario. I did a systemic constellation for Evolve. And you like place different people, like little objects to be people. And you talk through scenarios. And I learned through that session that I do not, I do not know how to ask for things for money. And like, since I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to. Like, uh, it would be like, here's the pen you get. And I, I couldn't say like, oh, I want a pink pen. It was like, no, like, like I had a great life. I had all the things, but I, I wasn't, you know, it was like the old school, well, not old school, it was like, you know, 30 years ago, but I wasn't allowed to ask. And so for me to ask, like all of our investors are like BFFs or like very close mentors, advisors that just know me and believe in me and trust me. And like, I hardly asked. I was like, hey, you think you could like, you know, invest like 25 grand? So bad. And and I think, you know, if you think about male, female, I started thinking like men, when they're boys, like are taught to negotiate. It's just kind of the way. Like now my daughter, one of my daughters is a great negotiator. But I think traditionally male, female, like women were kind of just like, oh, let me just sit and like see what comes to me. Um, and so then when you look at those stats of like the VC funding, how 2% goes to women, I see a lot of women getting really upset about that, but not looking at why. Like, are we asking for money? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so I think then it goes down to doing the work. Like, I, I, I believe in like having a fundraising coach or having, you know, someone there to like guide you in the process a little bit, because I think that's a big part of it. Um, but what I believe for for this company to work, there's this intertwining of male females, like the, the masculine feminine energy intertwined is like very powerful. And I think like in talking to our leaders, what I learned is we went from like a matriarchal society to patriarchal. And now is the time when we have this ability to come together. Um, and so I think we're going to see more women like taking leadership roles. I'm seeing it hardcore, like never before in the psychedelic space, um, which, you know, I've been in the law industry, finance, all of the places, and I've never seen such a, such a voice coming from women, um, which I think is partly why, you know, I'm like interested. And it's not like, it's not like the women, like I used to shy away from women's groups. Uh, I actually don't like them at all. <laughs> <laughs> but these women are are different. Like they think differently. And I think part of it, you know, the men, what I learned through that survey result they're like tired. They're, they're achieving, they're trying to support everyone. And like, they have all these goals, but they're not giving themselves time to work on themselves. So I, I do believe there's this shift of the woman, the women coming in, wanting to hold space for the men to give them a chance to heal. But to do that, we have to rise up and make some money, right? Because so they don't have to always be like running 10 million miles an hour. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but I um, I think this is like a really cool time for all of us. Yeah, I agree. Because I'm working with women and men. Yeah. I mean, obviously everyone's super different, but there are things which m both genders or 
both types of people um, typically are like biased towards, I guess. Right. Um, what do you think those are? Like what's the two traits that women on average do more and what's the two traits that men on average do better? <laughs> yeah, I like that you said on average. <laughs> That's a what comes up in conversation. So a lot of what I say isn't just me. It's like I probably talk to, I don't know, 30 or 40 calls every week. <laughs> so I think like empathy is a big one for women. Um, I, I've seen that like through, throughout my career. Uh, I think we're generally pretty strong there, which is important. Um, I think men traditionally have that persistence which is what's needed to keep going it's it's not better it's just like you get up again right mm. i and i i think so those two um you know it's funny with working like everyone says women are so detail oriented i actually think men do great with that you know i i see like I don't think that that's like a male female thing. Um, I think what women are really good at is connecting like dots and ideas and people. Um, I've seen men do great work with that too, um, but it's not always like their strongest point. Um, and then with the men, I I feel like the leadership, they're very strong leadership skills. Um, a lot of women like shy away from the leadership. So, and that's obviously key to running a business. So like I was, like I said, I was always number two. So I was good at all the other things, but I, I wasn't able to put myself in that leadership role. And I think I'm still like working through that, you know? Mm. Um, so, so those are, that's what I, what I kind of see. Well, I think but you we, seem like a natural leader. Aww, you're always talking you. about your team you obviously care about people like those are leadership skills but I hope I definitely found that that I've potentially got and I don't think this is a bad thing at all I'm actually very happy I'm like this yeah. but I've got a bit of a like I can do anything attitude which Amazing. is good right sometimes yes. I'll I'll try and do too much and I'll fail but then I'll learn so like that's a good thing but I definitely noticed that girls or women that I've worked with have been more like they've taken, they think that they can't do it sometimes. Right. And I'm, and I think you definitely can do it. If I was as good as you, I would have done this like ages ago. <laughs> so no, why do you 100%. think, would you agree with that? Like, why do you think that is? Why are girls sometimes less confident in their ability? You know, you brought me back to this coaching as, Steve Cantor, one of my coaches, uh, and he's also an advisor and a good friend, he he came in and saved Evolve, and you know how he did it. Exactly what you said. He's like, he's like, Jen, I want you to write down 10 things that need to happen for Evolve to carry on. And I was like, oh, like, I'm so done. I'm tired. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I'll try. And I wrote down the 10 things. We got through eight or nine of them within a week. And these were things I was like, there's no way that I can do this. Like, how am I going to do this? You know? But it's like, yes. It, it, like, I had the evidence. It was – so it's interesting that you brought that up because I think sometimes we don't know what we're capable of. Um, 
I also think, you know, and I came to realize this recently because of the empathic nature of women, we tend to take care of quite a few people around us. So, you know, it's hard to go like, you know, balls to the wall, 80 hours and like, you have like a mom and you've got some kids and you got a husband and like no one's eating. Like, so I do feel like, cause I've seen it in my own work. Like one of my friends, he's like, you got to skip Thanksgiving dinner. You're a startup founder. I'm like, I, I can't do that. Like, I'm not going to do that. But you know, there's also that, right? So it's like, I can't do it is usually tied to, I can't do it because I have to like pick up the kids or like I don't have the space to create time to think about that idea that number one out of 10 because I'm taking care of all these people. So I do feel like a lot of times the, you know, when I made that decision not to go to London for that management training program, you know, that was kind of like if I had taken that road, I probably would have been killing it. And I would have said I can do anything because I don't care if there's no food in the house. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I'll just go out to eat at some nice, fancy restaurant. So there's that. And not to say men don't like think about that and care about that. But kind of as long as they provide, usually the rest happens. Right. Because the, the feminine energy naturally takes care. Um, and I, I, I think that can shift over time. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. That's why it's inspiring to hear stories from people like you, you've got two kids and you're still doing all of this. I think you could look at that in the sense of, I've got two kids, I don't have any time, but also you've got two kids. I'm sure you're a great mother. You're a great leader. So like there's benefits and drawbacks of everything that you look at and it's just about playing your playing to your strengths not to try and be like oh, i wish i didn't have kids or right Ex yeah like yeah. bring like now this summer it's funny i wrote them both offer letters you know my girls are 14 and 15 to be interns for evolve like marketing interns and one <laughs> of them signed <laughs> the other one is still like kind of didn't want to work this summer um, but she got us on TikTok, which I've been wanting to do forever. Did my mm. first video yesterday. So it's like, How's it's that? again, it's like, how do you weave it all in like this life? Like my mom is an investor in Evolve. She's 84. Um, she now reads books about like, you know, Byron Katie, like learn to love yourself. Like she, she's on the path. Mm -hmm. Um, she goes to yoga now on Saturdays. So it's almost like you've got this little tribe. How do you bring them into your world, right? And that's kind of like the only way I see it working. That's incredible. And you're also there because you're bringing them in. It kind of adds a bit more. Does it, add you, does it give, give you a bit more drive because you've got more people dependent on you? So yeah. it's a bit more pressure. Yeah. But also like you know, dopamine levels when things happen and you're not doing them is so high that like my daughter like posts something and I'm like, woof, like this is amazing. So I, um, yeah, so it's like totally worth it. And, um, and the cool thing about this space that we're in 
there's no shortage of work or ideas. Like there's so much that can be done. So it's not hard to say like, hey, let's do this. Um, so it feels really good. Yeah, that's sick. So you're interested in psychedelics? Yes. I was preparing for a podcast yesterday with a guy called Dylan. He runs a company called Mind State Design Labs, and they're trying to precision engineer states of mind using psychedelic medicine. So you could pick from a catalog, and they're, they're, I think they're aiming to get like thousands of states of mind, some of which don't even exist yet, because they think they can discover new ones, and then use that to um, people can do therapy in each of the states of mind, which wow. is an incredible idea. But the reason I bring it up is I was researching for that podcast and I started re reading Changing Your Mind by Michael Pollan. Uh -huh. And the psychedelic industry is just absolutely fascinating and the impact it could have. But he talks about one part specifically, which was to me more interesting than any other part. And he talks about how our conscious evolved to have an ego and the human is we think maybe one of the only species with an ego which is like a sense of self and i and that's wow. how we become successful that's one reason of why we become like a dominant species mm -hmm. so what do you think we've in our modern day living where is the disconnect between how we evolved to be and how we could be if we could potentially achieve higher states of consciousness mm. from all of your learnings, where is there a gap between what we could be spiritually and what the average office worker who works nine to five and then watches TV every night compared to the life they live? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's, it's like what we were talking about earlier. It's like the ability to break through all of those barriers Right. And a lot of them are tied to the ego. Um, so These I have internal barriers. Yeah. Like restrictions, like things that are holding you back. Um, it's like a lot of it is old beliefs. I did a lot of subconscious work because from what I learned from our hypnotherapist, Lauren Romero, 80% of our decisions are made from our subconscious mind. Right. And so like the meditation work, is great for the conscious mind, but like we don't always address what's in the subconscious. And like we are just making decisions without thinking about them. They're just, you know, it's like whatever's there. We're like computers where, you know, there's this belief from when we were 10, like I can't ask for things. And it's just been there forever. And you don't even know it's there. It's just there. And so until you are able to like do the work and see that, um, and replace it with a new belief, you're just going to repeat the same pattern. So I think that's what happens a lot when we are like in the, you know, doing the motions, like going to work and making dinner and going home and watching TV. And it's like, you're just building these, these same like patterns over time. And I think what's, what's interesting about psychedelics, you know, and I understand more than I'm able to, to explain, but they give you this chance to like rebuild those pathways and those habits. Um, but it's not like you just, you know, when I moved to Miami, I was like, psychedelics are amazing. Like, this is so mm -hmm. fun, but it's not that it's like the intentional use. Um, 
you know, and, and that was kind of like with Evolve, why it was so important to have leaders holding space for people because you, you need to like seriously think like, what do I want to change here? And then put it into place. Like the two weeks, I think after, you know, a psychedelic experience is when that neuroplasticity period exists. And you have like more chance than ever to rebuild your habits, but you have to like also have accountability with someone, you know, unless you're just like amazing and you can change it all on your own. But I think, um, you know, I think that that's, that's fascinating. And the way to do it is together. Um, I'd say, I don't know, nine out of 10 of my friends that I talk to are either healers or coaches. So <laughs> we're always helping each other, like get there. Um, you know, so it is really helpful to surround yourself by even just a couple people that, that think this way. Like I want to expand my consciousness. Like I don't want to limit myself. I want to be able to say, yeah, one day I want a house in Costa Rica. Like, why is that so unreachable, you know? And sometimes just having like that that energy of the, you know, others around you who believe that anything is possible um, can help make it happen, you know? I definitely think that like energy of the people around you um, how well you understand your consciousness, how much you can like get away from your ego. These are all things that can have like a tangible change in the world. But yeah. we're so focused on what's happening out there that we don't understand like the, our brains at all. It feels like there's a lot of potential. Yeah. Um... Who are your Who are your favorite coaches on your platform? Because as we're having this conversation, I'm starting to think how useful would it be to be able to have some a place where you can go and access some of the brightest minds on these like niche topics to be honest at the moment yeah um who comes to mind now she's she's a good friend of mine mary beth wise um she's just helped me so much with kind of like that next level um you know irena helped me find this idea of awareness which Michael Singer, he's in, you know, one of these authors that wrote Untethered Soul and the Surrender Experiment. I saw him in person in in my in Florida, and he was like, "Imagine like there's a cord that's connected like to a TV from your brain, and like just start to watch that, you know." So like that, I learned from Irina Vlada. She's just incredible with awareness, and that's the first step, right? You gotta first break out of like just not being aware of what's happening in your mind. And then as you kind of go on to the next levels, like someone like Mary Beth is incredible because she's, you know, she spent maybe nine years like just reading all the books, like all the wisdom, all the teachers, listen to every podcast. She's just got the knowledge and that can help just speed it up. Like instead of it taking you the nine years, you're getting this like a bridge version, right? Like, okay. And, and sometimes I'll write her, you know, I'm obsessed with her concept of creating space. And, and she's like, yeah, space is everything. Like, you know, in this room, there's like the furniture and the carpet and this and that. And like, but what's valuable is the space. And it's the same thing in our minds, right? And so the people that are just running through the motions and like their whole day is filled with their routine, they don't have the space. So how can they you know, have this incredible goal of building a home in Costa Rica when there's no space. 
because you need that space to create, you know? So Where those are ideas? two. I mean, there's so many leaders, um, but yeah, that's a start. I want to try it out. And I think you should have way more than a hundred users <laughs> very soon. Oh, I think it sounds like, sounds like an incredible platform. Yeah. Where do you think ideas come from? Ideas. Like an idea that you're, it comes across your mind and you've never thought of it before. You've never heard of it before. Where on earth did that come from? That's a great question. A lot of it, I think, comes from like the, the subconscious. Um, you know, Joe Dispenza talks about like thoughts becoming things. So ideas are like thoughts, right? And that's why it's so interesting to be aware of what's coming through. So when there's like a negative idea or a negative thought that's just like floating around in there, it's most likely going to manifest in the 3D, right? So like just getting it out of there, but you have to be aware to get it out. But a lot of stuff, I'm convinced that it comes through this, the subconscious, you know, it's just like old stuff. I, I can't like Lauren Romero as a hypnotherapist is amazing. You can work on you have to be aware. That's why awareness to me is the first step. But once you start to become aware of your thoughts and you see these ideas popping up and you like start to look at the screen and you're like, what? Like, where did that come from? And then you see them repeating and you're like, okay, I've got some issues with like money or I have an issue with trust or whatever it is. Then you can go to Lauren and say, listen, like I need help. Like things keep showing up for me about money or trust or relationships. I need your help. And she can speak to you, speak to your subconscious to help reprogram. And she'll ask, what do you want to replace that with? Because like those thoughts that are negative need to be replaced with positive thoughts. Right. And so you just reprogram yourself like a computer um, mm. through doing the work. I don't think people realize that to many, well, for all intensive purposes, your brain is a computer and you can reprogram it. Yeah. You don't have to keep thinking negative right. things. You can become like a coach to yourself. Exactly. Something exactly. I've started doing is I, I have a lot of negative. If I make a mistake, I'm always very, very, very hard on myself. But someone said something which resonated with me so much. It was like, if you saw your best friend make that mistake, what would you say to them? Oh. And the answer I would say to my best friend is the complete opposite of what I would say to myself. And now I've started saying to myself what I imagine saying to them. And it's way nicer experience when oh. you're just like, oh, it's okay. It'll be fine next time. Um, oh, so, yeah. that's so special. I, I was really hard on myself too. And Irina taught me this phrase that nothing is ever wrong. And I was like, I would send an email and I'd like, whatever, misspell the investor's name or something. And I would lose it. I would go like, can't believe I just did that. And she's like, nothing's ever wrong. And then one of our leaders, she taught me um, like, you know, nothing really matters. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like, what do you mean nothing matters? It totally matters. But like, does it? Like, does anything really matter? Um, and trust that what's happening is happening for a reason. 
Um, so I'm glad that you like, that's an awesome like insight. It's just like <laughs> using these little tricks until they become, you don't even think about it anymore. It, you're yeah. like training yourself, training your mind. Yeah. yeah. Because then it's you get you nothing say, done. Like, yeah. you lose, like you're like, oh, like you just waste your whole day then, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And coming back to what you're saying about space, I was recently, um, I started doing too much and I let a few things like slip through the cracks and I wasn't very happy with stuff. So I started like trying to work out how, um, how do you schedule your life? Cause I'm not going to make like four to do lists and like update my calendar every morning. That's no way to live in my opinion. So I was trying to work out how do successful people actually schedule their life. I did loads of research and I came across Mark Andreessen's blog and he was saying he leaves schedules free time really regularly throughout the week where he has no meetings and in those times he goes for walks and this is where like ideas come from and it gives him ideas that he then uses in his working time to advance so what does your you've got loads of things to do and like you must have to do this around so what how do you as a founder and like a I suppose you, you do like freelance work for want of a better word and all your other things being a mom. How do you actually just manage everything and keep the train going in the forward direction? <laughs> right. It's funny because like you, sometimes things slip and that's when I have the wake up call. I'm like, this is not okay. Like this is not the way I want to run my life. And that's how this concept of creating space came up. Um, so it's, it's interesting about, you know, him with his calendar. I've been doing that now too, almost just out of necessity. Like, and what I do now is I used to schedule, I remember in this talk with the, the founder of calm, he's like, I run this company called calm, but I think this is my eighth zoom call today. <laughs> and so I'm very like aware now that I can't do more than like three or four calls because you almost like need half the day for that creation or the follow-up for those calls so that like the time on the call is impactful. Um, and so sometimes to me, it, it feels like this is like not cool of me, like, but I book people like a week or two or three out because if I already have those three or four scheduled, I just, I know that it's, it's not good for me or for the business or for them because I won't be in a state of presence, Right. Um, and then you start to think of, you know, we're, we're pretty young. Like we've got a long way to go. And like my daughter said, like, you got another 60 years, mom, like who mm -hmm. cares if you talk to them in two weeks versus one week? Like, why does it really matter as long as it's happening? Um, and so that's what I've started doing is like maxing out my number of calls each day, um, and creating that space. And just like, you know, his walks, I went on, I went for a swim yesterday and I had this like incredible, I was like, I know what I'm going to do this weekend. Like I'm going to work on uh -huh. this project and get this done. And I, and I was thinking as I was swimming, I was like, this wouldn't have happened if I took that last call. Um, so I, I think that that's the way um, to do it. Yeah. It's fascinating because everyone's in such a rush to be successful or like do something that people don't stop to like raise their head up and look around and see ask like be aware like coming back to awareness like why am i doing this 
is it has it got the end goal in sight and one thing i think about is at the start of like the ninth the 20th century we had like the computer was invented the aeroplane we went to the moon supposedly um all these things but since then we've just been improving on them right and when's the last time that someone's had like an incredible earth-changing idea like flying or exactly. a computer and maybe people are just maybe society is too everyone's too tight and stressed at the moment and that's why i think the consciousness movement could potentially add some space and let like humans breathe again and the ideas that could fill that space i think is going to be the biggest value of that movement I got goosebumps when you said that, which is, I don't know what that is, some kind of message that you're spot on. (laughs) (laughs) That's why saying this, I feel so optimistic for Evolve because I feel like you're doing like high quality work at the pace that is right and that allows things to be good and ideas to come and everyone to breathe. And if you keep doing it, like, I can't see it not being a major brick success. Five brick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Do you know, I had a conversation with a friend of mine in the space and he's like, something tells me the VC money isn't like, isn't going to accelerate what's happening here. It's just happening. Do you know? It's like on its time, on its watch. And the, the different spaces, like it's funny, this concept of space, it's like our own space, but we create spaces to be held, right? For people to receive us in like a state of presence. Um, so Evolve is just one of the spaces and the more there are, the better. And the more we come together, the better. Um, because that's what's going to like really raise the collective. Like I, I look at the world you know, there's like the physical, right? Like the people we see in our daily lives and the, and then there's this, I look at the energetic layer, like the internet layer, you know, like phone, email, Zoom, right? And then there's physical energy. uh, I mean, sorry, physical, mental, and then energy. So the mental is this, right? And then the energetic layer is this other connection. And what's interesting in the layers of the human body, like the, you know, ancient yogic tradition has five layers. So it's the same thing. It's, it's physical, um, energy, mental. And so the physical energy, mental wisdom, bliss, right? And so if you think about it, that's us as an individual, but it's also us as a collective, like you and I have connected on this level, right? But one day we could connect on the physical level. One day we go to a bunch of Evolve sessions and we're like energetically connected. And the idea is like, I've seen this, you know, in like journeys, this like worldwide web, you know, that's the internet, but there's also a web, like an energetic web. And I am, I am very like clear that that exists. And it's just a matter of us all being there. Like, how do we, help each other raise up so we're energetically connected and then we can work in that space. But the only way to work in that space is to create space. Um, So it's a little out there concept, but I'm like seeing it more and more. 
you know? I think that's an amazing idea. That's, that sounds incredible. Yeah, I need I like to write it down so I where... like clarify it. Because it's kind of yeah, like, you do. It, it's like, it's come to me a bunch, but I haven't really spoken yeah. it out loud. Mm-hmm. You should definitely write that down. And I think there's definitely real, real, well, there is real substance to that. And if you can, as Evolve journeys on, it'd be interesting to see how you can explore that idea and work within it and try and help people get right. on the web. So I think a lot of people aren't on the energy web because life gets in the way. Yeah. So they're going out, throwing out negative energy as they go out in the world. And it's like not as efficient as it could be. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, this has been an incredible conversation, Jen. I feel like this is the start of a long friendship, I hope. <laughs> for sure. And I really appreciate your time and thank you for coming on. It was only supposed to be an hour and look at us now. <laughs> right? It was super fun. Thank you for having me. I feel like we can grow individually through these conversations and, and also like business-wise, collectively. So thank you. And um, anyone is welcome to find me for any help. That's like what I do. <laughs> so, Great. Well, I'll put your you. details. I'll put your details in the bio and Evolve and everything like that so people check it out. I'm going to check out Evolve. I think I want to It'd be interesting to see what I can learn on there. But, yeah. Be my guest. <laughs> All right. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Thank you very Thank much. You. See ya. Have a great day.